Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman, and with me today is the president of the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce, Jack Levin. Thank you for joining us. Fran, thank you for having me here. So your background, director of the State Department of Commerce and Economic Development under... Rod Bogoyevich. Under Governor Bogoyevich, yes. Which you don't mention in your resume. Oh, sure. I mentioned director <laughs> you of the mentioned State it. Department. No, you do, but not his name. Not Rod Bogoyevich's uh, name. Governor of Illinois, right. It's right. got to be weird to have worked during that time when all that was going on. Well, it what was, was that like? It was, it was an exciting time uh, when I came in to be director of commerce. Um, the agency had kind of floundered for a while. We sent it in a whole new direction. We we took the state of Illinois and broke it down into 10 regions. We did an economic plan for every region of the state that included workforce, economic development, transportation, capital, and all that, uh, I think, prepared me to when I became chief of staff for Governor Quinn and we implemented the, the first uh, capital bill uh, in 10 years. And we had the Obama recovery money. And I think we invested that money to help grow the economy out of the Great Recession. So it was a great time. There was a lot of flexibility. The one thing about Governor Bogoyevich, he wasn't as involved. So it gave us more autonomy to do new <laughs> things and new He used to stay ideas. home. He never came in. Yeah, there was a it, funny story. Uh, when I started there, I had young kids and my wife was at home and just complaining, why are you working so many hours? You're not here. And one day she was walking the kids somewhere at 10 in the morning and uh, driving and she almost ran over a jogger. And then she realized it was Governor Bogoyevich <laughs> out jogging. And she's like, why are you out jogging? And my husband's home working all these or working all these hours. So there's kind of a funny story. Did you ever have any clue what he was really up to or what was going on? And it must have been embarrassing when you found out. Yeah, no, that was uh, what was going on there. I was focused on what I was doing at the Department of Commerce. We helped attract and retain 500 companies uh, in the state of Illinois during my tenure. Uh, we made a lot of great investments in energy, infrastructure, workforce development. So I was focused on what I was doing to grow the economy. Yeah. And then how different was it under Governor Quinn? Well, Governor Quinn and I became Chief Operating Officer right. and Chief of Staff. And um, as I mentioned, uh, that was the Great Recession. We came in right when the Great Recession uh, was underway. Um, President Obama did a big uh, American Recovery Act, uh, and we implemented that money, and we passed the first capital bill in 10 years. And I was in charge of helping put it together with the General Assembly and then implementing the capital bill. And that was a, a great time and a great opportunity and experience to look at the state and try to find investments that were going to maximize economic development and how we would grow jobs, not just to build things, but build them. They're going to have maximize the impact on the economy by having new jobs, new opportunities for people. So that was a great time, great experience, uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then we have this. I mean, have you ever seen a legislative session with more stuff that got done? Let's, let's look at it. 
casino gambling, sports betting, legalized marijuana, a graduated income tax making it to the ballot, the $45 billion capital plan. I mean, whoa. I told Governor Pritzker and the General <laughs> Assembly members uh, that that was probably the greatest finish ever of a, of a, of a General Assembly session. They got more done uh, in that last week and that last weekend that ever has been done. And there, there's an opportunity to to have the first capital plan in 10 years um, and to uh, uh, create jobs and economic opportunity through different things. The, the, the chamber pushed for the capital bill. We pushed for mass transit funding. We wanted sustainable mass transit funding and more mass transit funding. In the last capital bill, there was about 20%. Now we were shooting for 30, but we got over 20. Um, and that's important because 2 million people a day use mass transit in the Chicago land area. And when we talk to our members, what are the most important things to them? Uh, it's getting their people to and from work, airports, which is all infrastructure, and talent, attraction, and retention. So I think uh, the capital bill and the work on mass transit was very successful for us. Uh, we passed a data center uh, incentive to build more data centers in Illinois, which will bring billions of dollars of investment. Um, and the One Central was passed, which is going to create billions of dollars of investment once it gets through the, uh, the community engagement process that it needs to go through. Mayor Lightfoot is not real happy with those developers. She said that she, that she feels they went down there under cover of darkness, slipped their thing into the Capitol bill, and she doesn't feel that they have dealt with the community properly or the elected leaders properly, that you, they, they've kind of run roughshod. And she's not at all sure that a transit center at that location is even a priority for the city of Chicago. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've seen her comments. I, I think that there's a whole process that needs to happen here. And absolutely, there needs to be a thorough and robust community engagement process um, and there will be, and it will take time. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But before, given the infrastructure problem that's here, you needed to go through an economic impact analysis to say, can this even happen? Because if it can't even happen, why, why are you going to start down a process of, of designing or doing anything? You need to make sure economically, is it feasible? Can it be paid for? There's a tremendous investment to put a tabletop there, like we did at Millennium Park, I mean, look at where Millennium Park is now. So you need to do that. Then you needed to see, can it be uh, financed? So you needed to uh, do a unique, new kind of public-private partnership with the state, and you needed to be able to have the ability to access federal money. So these- So what was the race to Springfield? Why did they need to get a piece of that capital bill? What is it? What was well, the deadline that they were facing? There's two deadlines. The first and foremost, uh, there's transit-oriented development money in Washington, D.C. that expires December 31st. So they have the, so have the ability to get $1 billion, which the city state would not get otherwise because it's for transit-oriented development projects. You had to meet that deadline of December 31st. So you needed to be able to say, we have a project, we have the ability to move forward and be able to get that. Um, the second thing is the way Springfield works, there's a capital bill every 10 years. If you miss the boat, the boat. on that, then you're waiting a long time. So it, it was the timing given the mayoral election and the first General Assembly session for, for, uh, for Governor Pritzker, um, you know, you had, to, you had to move. But there is a total commitment to having the community engagement process. But you needed to make sure economically 
the impact study worked and it could be done. There's a high fixed cost to, to fix the infrastructure problem. And the Metra tracks there and the maintenance center are 100 years old. They're operating inefficiently. Uh, there's probably safety issues. You need to solve that before you could do this and you had to have the economic impact study and the ability to have this unique public-private partnership. You have a transit hub. This is the only one in the nation that brings national rail, regional rail, local uh, transit all together in one place. This is not happening anywhere else in the country. It's unique. And now we have a unique public-private partnership uh, to help fund it if the community engagement process goes well and everything moves forward to, uh, to help the private sector put the money up and take the initial risk. Um, and then in the end, the government entity, the state, gets the asset. Now, this is a new way of doing it. It's not TIF. TIF, the money goes to the developer. In some cases, TIF is good. But this is a new way of looking at transit-oriented development. And there's places in the West Loop here that maybe could do, use this model to help solve some of the transit and infrastructure issues here in the West Loop. Just for our viewers who may not know, One Central is the decking over of these rail yards near Soldier Field and putting in it a, a, above it a wall of high-rises, maybe 10 of them, and a, and a mass transit center. But Mayor Lifett has said, I'm not so sure that we need a transit center at that location compared to all of our other needs, like, for example, extending the Red Line South, which every other mayor has said and hasn't delivered. Yeah, and this, this there is truly a but-for here. Um, this money only happens from the state once this development starts and tax revenue is generated. If that doesn't happen, there's no, it doesn't happen. So there's a true but-for. So this is not taking away from any of the other capital transit money in the state capital bill at the federal level. It's truly a but-for. And our economic impact study said if this works, it will create $120 billion of tax revenue for the state and the city. About $50 billion of that is for the city. The rest is the, mainly the state and some for Cook County. So right now, that property produces $23,000 of property tax revenue. With this project, if it goes forward, it's $120 billion over the next 40 years. It's a significant amount. Whether there's how many high rises or whatever, that's part of the community engagement process that still needs to happen. Totally agree with Mayor Lightfoot, totally agree with the community. There needs to be a robust and thorough uh, community engagement process. Alderman Dowell has had it two community meetings already, actually three. Um, and so that is happening and will continue to happen. But what this project does the growth in the central dis business district has gone west, the west loop in Fulton Square. It's gone north. Nothing's gone south because you have this barrier, this infrastructure problem. With this project, the growth can go south. And what does that do? That connects south side residents and south suburbs to the central business district. AECOM did our study, and the studies show when people are within a 45-minute commute that um, that is the key. And this project opens up the 45-minute commute area on the south side and the south suburbs three times, grows it three times. And what's that going to do? That means there are better access to jobs, which means more people are going to move to the south side or buy homes or invest, which leads to small businesses investing there, other businesses. It will create economic opportunity and jobs on the south side. It will connect people 
to the central business district from the south side. Mobility means opportunity, access to jobs. And then it's a whole catalyst for growth on the south. As you're going south, you have uh, Michael Reese, the Obama Library, the old U.S. Steel site. All these things uh, could create uh, a whole economic development plan but you need to solve this infrastructure problem, which is this metro yard there, and you need to cover it up. And this is not, put the tabletop on, and this is not the first time this has happened. We did this moment with Millennium, Millennium Park. Park, and this was not on anybody's list uh, of, of capital priorities. It was on Mayor Daley's list and his vision, his vision, and look what Millennium Daniel did. Burnham's, really. Right, and you can't even imagine Chicago now without Millennium Park and right. 55 million plus tourists. So. Sometimes bold and innovative visions aren't on people's list, but they can become these huge economic uh, opportunity job creators. Let's talk about another bold thing. This, the casino. 4,000 gaming positions for a Chicago casino that mayors have been asking for for 30 years. They finally got. But is it too much gambling for Chicago? Are you worried about the business climate, the tourism climate, the saturation of gambling, possibly slots at O'Hare and Midway. I mean, what's that going to turn Chicago into? Well, I think that's why Mayor Lightfoot um, has said we need to do, she needs to do a study, the city needs to do a study to look at where we can maximize the benefit of, of this casino. Where do you uh, think? Where would you I, like to see it? I think we need to look at her assessment and her study and sure, see but where you it have is an because opinion. There, are, there are different options. Well, uh, being let's closer go down to downtown or being uh, out in the neighborhoods. And, and there's pluses and minuses to both. So Doesn't I, it have to be downtown to really maximize the revenue? I think that the, uh, the, an economic impact study to look at where the best place to put it and benefit is. If you're trying to stop people going from Indiana, it needs to be south, you know, in that area. But I think a study will say where, how can we both maximize the revenue from the casino and how can we maximize job creation and economic development? And I think, um, I think a thorough research and study, uh, similar to what AECOM did for One Central, I think will help that. Because there's a lot of facts when you look at the history at, at, of the Central Business District and the growth from 1980 to now, from the Central Area Plan that was done in 2003, you see that a lot of private investment has happened, not the public infrastructures happen. So you really have to get down into the details to decide where's the best location, where is it going to have the maximum What about impact. McCormick Place East? I mean, they were going to tear it down anyway. Wouldn't that be a good location? Once again, I think that uh, you have to have an analysis and you have to have all the stakeholders. You need to have uh, McCormick Place. You need to have the big conventions that come to the city weigh in. All the stakeholders weigh in and say, and say what they feel and how it will help. If the stakeholders say uh, this would be a benefit to attracting conventions, then I think that should go into the analysis. Well, do, are you of the mind that it would take away from conventions to have it close to downtown? I think... Uh, right, would it make people come off the floor and go to the casino? Well, I think right now, since there are uh, casinos in Indiana, the people that come to conventions and want to do that are going to Indiana. So we should try to capture that traffic. Um, but I think where's the best place to do that further than that you need to talk to all the stakeholders and see what's the best So you have place. no opinion about this about where it should go I think we need to look at the data and decide where the best place is and do that economic assessment
The graduated income tax, where does the Chicagoland Chamber stand with that? Where will you be campaigning, for or against, and why? Yeah, we, we are still analyzing that issue and talking to our members to see where they're at. So we have not, uh, we haven't taken a position. We're still analyzing it. We'll have a, we have a public policy committee, and now that it's passed, we'll be reviewing it, uh, reviewing it then with our board based on the, our public policy committee's uh, recommendations and deciding uh, what stance But is, this has an enormous impact on, on your members, right? I think it has an impact on the state. That's why right. it's a constitutional amendment. So, so why, why be so timid? Why, why not weigh that's in? That's why it's a state constitutional amendment. That's why we right. make it so difficult to change the Constitution. Well, you're going to weigh in, aren't you? We will eventually weigh in, yes. But, I mean, how long are you going to wait? Well, the, the, the vote is a year and a half away. So True. But, so, I mean, this so campaign it's, it's has been going on even now. Well, but there's also talk about property tax reform and other things that didn't get fully... Uh, through the General Assembly of what what is going to come along with this constitutional amendment. I think we need to look at all the facts and wait to see what those are and, and make decisions. What about some of the things Mayor Lightfoot has promised? For example, the Fair Work Week ordinance, very personal to her. Two weeks notice for uh, scheduling, etc. cetera. Uh, you've been against that. Is there a compromise and where do you stand right now? Um, there is a middle ground, and we've had a lot of negotiations going on. Uh, we've made a lot of progress in the last few months, um, and I've heard Mayor Lightfoot. She came to our board of directors before we endorsed her, and she talked about this. Um, and it is very personal to her, and she talks about her mother and predict predictable schedules. But then she always follows it up with, "There is a, but there is a middle ground, and I believe there is a middle ground. Where is it? I think that... Where, we, where we're negotiating now, if this is truly about workers, they need predictability and flexibility. The predictability is the schedule and the advance notice. The flexibility is to say workers want flexibility. Hourly workers want flexibility. We did a poll uh, uh, between 75 and 77 percent of workers, minority workers, women workers, millennials, all want flexible scheduling. Um, we had our largest annual meeting earlier this week, and we had a keynote speaker from Manpower. They constantly are surveying workers and what workers want. And the number one thing there is workers want flexibility. So predictability, yes. Flexibility, yes. So what, what is that middle ground? The flexibility is a standby list. So the number of uh, places that have passed it, the state of Oregon has a standby list. And what does that do? That allows if there's workers that want more hours to work, they want flexibility. They want on the weekend, Fran, I got to change my schedule. I've got a family event now. Can you switch with me? They want that flexibility. That's a lot of times why they're hourly workers. So that standby list allows that to happen, allows workers to say, yeah, anytime I can get more hours, I want it. Anytime someone needs to shift, change shifts, I want to be part of that. It's the number one issue with workers, especially millennials. Um, it offers flexibility. And if this is really about workers, let's do that. Some of the early data, uh, San Francisco passed this, some of the early data on this say that the, the ordinance, which this ordinance is like San Francisco, gives the predictability, but it takes away flexibility. Workers get less hours, they get less chance to shift their hours, um, and their schedules are more rigid. That's not what workers want. And, uh, like I said, less hours, so they're work making less money. So we need to find a middle ground where Predictability, yes. Just as Mayor Lightfoot says, people need to schedule childcare and doctor visits and all that. But workers also want flexibility, and that's where the middle ground is, the standby list. 
and it's showing in other places it's becoming more rigid if you don't put a standby list in. The $15 minimum wage by 2021 in Chicago, is that okay with you? Well, I think there's always a problem, an issue, when you have multiple jurisdictions with different wages. So I am concerned that there'll be different wages. Obviously, the state is heading towards fifteen dollars. But an too hour. slow, according um, to the people here. But if you know what happens uh, is you know across the street you've got uh, not Chicago and they're paying something, and then in Chicago they're paying something. It always it creates uh, uh, issue for businesses. So we would be concerned about that. We would need to work work on that. So are you going to oppose that? I think that we will be against that. And and the reason being what. That there's too many mandates on businesses in Chicago, or what? Well, there, absolutely there's too many mandates. I mean, people, uh, I served on Mayor Lightfoot's transition committee, and everybody says, let's get the business community more involved. Do more things like AT&T's Believe Chicago program. But then on the other hand, they want to come back, higher minimum wage, uh, restrictive scheduling, uh, paid sick leave. So they want to put a lot of mandates on business. You can't have it both ways. you got to be balanced, a uh, balanced approach. Um, you can't use the business community as a piggy bank to keep raising money because then they're not going to create as many jobs. Companies aren't going to locate here and invest here and create those jobs. So and she's talked. She's got a seven hundred million dollar deficit or more, and she's talked about not doing it on the backs of the middle class and the low income people, which means. But she's also said I need to be fair to business. She has right? said I don't. So want are you worried about what's coming taxation wise? I think that. Where business community is always worried about that, but as long as the business voice is heard and there's a balanced approach and both sides are being heard and, and you can come to some middle ground and compromise, I think that's all the business community can ask for. And that's why the Chicagoland Chamber endorsed Mayor Lightfoot because when she came to our board, that's what she said. The she business said, community, understand there needs to be a balance. But the business community had a real friend in Rahm Emanuel. Uh, tourism was boosted. We had corporate relocations to Chicago. Uh, tech, the tech sector really boomed also. In Mayor Lightfoot, you have more demands. You have her saying, pay attention to those neighborhoods. So are you worried about the atmosphere, the tax them more, demand more atmosphere? Well, I'm, I'm not sure she's saying tax them more. She's definitely saying there needs to be a balance between the uh, central business district and the neighborhoods. And we agree, uh, if, if the central business district's doing well, neighborhoods are doing well. If neighborhoods are doing well, the central business district. Is there well. more there you can do in these impoverished, uh, ignored neighborhoods? What, what can I think, you do? Like, for example, AT&T has a program called Believe Chicago. They go into 19 uh, uh, communities that are dealing with violence and high unemployment, and they do their volunteer time. They've hired 500 workers out of those communities. They're out there look, working with the community groups out there to find ways that they can work together to do job training, hire people, uh, do volunteer time. All, that's the kind of engagement that the business community can have. And we hope to add to that and grow that. We had Eileen Mitchell, president of AT&T Illinois, speak at our annual meeting about this. And then we committed to try and recruit more companies to do this. And this was something discussed in Mayor Lightfoot's transition committee. Um, and to do that, to engage the, the business community more to do that. And you'll get more done by doing that than just piling on regulations. And the other thing I'll say, Mayor Lightfoot has talked about reform, uh, you know, 
signage, permit, zoning. I mean, all that has to be more efficient and more timely. That's important to business too. It's not just about taxes, it's about regulatory reform to make it easier to do business in Chicago. Jack, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. And we'll see you all next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.